My name is Chris Lynam and I am your host of Off the Floor, the show that is all about the learning process, the critical pivots along the way, and the positive ripple effects from those decisions. Okay, so since you're probably not suffering from dizzy spells walking through the mall or comically tripping and knocking down large displays of canned goods at the grocery store, it'd be safe to say that you feel pretty good about your balance. We call this the curse of capability. See, you can't achieve great balance through great balance. You've got to challenge your balance. You've got to make your balance freak out. You've got to knock it off its comfortable digs in the status quo to go from good to better. In business, it's the same thing. See, a lack of disruption is just the thing that can make any business vulnerable. Sun Tzu, the author of The Art of War, he said, if you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. So what my man's son is saying here is that you don't know what you don't know. So I mean, think about it. How could you prepare to defeat an enemy you don't even know, not to mention with a vulnerability you have no idea that you have? Well, it's the same thing. It may take a dancer having a lesson with a coach on balance to realize just how much room they have to improve on their balance. And I will tell you that my wife and I did the business version of that. We hired a couple with dance teaching experience. Generally speaking, we developed our own team from within, like the farm system in a major league baseball league. Each member of our staff was someone that we had hired and trained ourselves to become a professional instructor. In this case, we had made an exception. We brought in some free agents as a way to grow the business quicker, and that was nearly our downfall. As with any bad decision or plotline from a horror movie, Things started out great, so we embraced them. We brought them into our company. They were incredibly productive. We took an intentional step out of the spotlight to speed up their street cred in our organization. That step backward created more time for our competitive dancing career, but it really came at a hefty cost. Not to belabor the analogy, but it was an off-balance step. In the spring of 2006, things would gradually unravel. After the husband, let's just call him Al, returned from an overseas competition that we approved, he and his wife, and we'll call her Wilma, they abruptly gave notice. Now, anytime an employee leaves a small business, it's always a punch in the gut. But this was a punch that was setting up a knockout combination that Manny Pacquiao would be proud of. We come to find out that they are opening their own dance studio. Punch number one. We then find out that they've recruited another one of our teachers and our evening receptionist to work for them. Punch number two. Here comes the knockout punch. We find out that the new Rogue Studio is being financed by some of our students. Ouch. And then just when things couldn't get any worse, we discovered that some of, our, of those students were still active in our school and they were also actively recruiting our students to leave our business. We didn't know what we didn't know. In just one month of the third quarter in 06, we issued more refunds than we had in all of our three years in business combined. 
But here's the bright side. My man Sun Tzu, he said, in the midst of chaos, there is also opportunity. So it would have been really easy to wallow. It also would have been easy to call the mafia. And believe me, I was close. But my wife and I decided that we would win by being the best versions of ourselves. That was our counterpunch. Counterpunch number one. We knew there were stories being fabricated about us, and so we decided we needed to pour in more effort to eliminate that perception as an available option. Counterpunch number two. We dramatically cut back our competitive dance schedule. We decided that we weren't just going to be business owners, we were going to be leaders who just happened to be business owners. Counterpunch number three. We would place 100% of our focus on the people that stuck by us and 0% on the ones we lost. We lost them for a reason. So the next step was to rebuild. And now we did it with a shared purpose. You know, we never once disparaged Al or Wilma and their decision in front of our team or our students. What we really talked to them about was just the opportunity they had knowing that there was competition right in their backyard. We also recalibrated our hiring and training practices. No more free agents. We were going to build from within. And instead of focusing on our dance development personally, we really started to focus on our leadership development. And despite our school being on the verge of collapse, we finished 2006 with our best year in business. In fact, we even moved locations that same year because we were running out of space. In dancing, working on your balance and having great balance really unlocks a skill called control, which is essentially like the zen state that dancers can achieve. You know, like a quarterback who has the playbook down solid and a few years of experience, and then they'll say that the game starts to really slow down for them. Well, control in dancing is the ability to take dance steps based on choice, not based on gravity. To stay calm when lesser dancers wouldn't. Well, we thought we were there with total control as business owners. We thought we had finally figured it all out, but it took a total loss of control for us to realize we still had a lot of work to do. Control without conflict is impossible to self-assess. A tree, just before it falls over, still looks like an immovable object. So about the same time that this was all happening in our dance studio in Hayward, California, Another business was bottoming out. In 1994, Viacom bought Blockbuster Video for $8.4 billion, with a B. But in 2006, when all this was going down for us, they were worth less than $700 million. Their tree was decaying from the inside. While they were opening stores worldwide and amassing millions upon millions in late fees, we're talking 800 million and 16% of their revenue in the year 2000, they turned out to be the textbook version of Sun Tzu's quote, the bad part. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Here's the sad part. They had plenty of chances to learn. So let's go back to the year 1998. A new player was entering the home entertainment game, the DVD. Warren Lieberfarb, head of home video for Warner Brothers, offered Blockbuster CEO John Antioco a deal that could have changed everything, or at least until Netflix became everything. 
So it was going to be a DVD exclusive. Warner Brothers would create this window where new release DVDs would only be available to rent first, exclusively through Blockbuster, before being sold in retail locations. The studios would take a 40% cut, which was exactly the same thing they got on the VHS. Edward Epstein from Slate Magazine writes, even though Lieberfarb was only asking that the same deal be extended to DVD, Blockbuster, perhaps not realizing the speed with which the digital revolution would spread, turned him down. Now this is the moment. The business that seems to have all the balance stands pat, and the movie industry gets jostled and decides to pivot. They work on their balance. So Lieberfarb, determined to make the DVD a success, went to plan B, and that was pricing the DVD low enough so that it could be sold to the public in direct competition with video rentals. Walmart, seizing the opportunity for an enormous traffic builder for its stores, began selling DVDs like hotcakes, and by 2003, the studios were taking in three times as much money from DVDs as they were from VHS. And in this reversal of fortune, Walmart replaces Blockbuster as the studio's single largest source of revenue. But if you think getting punked by Walmart is bad, just a few years later, Blockbuster turned down the opportunity to buy Netflix for a measly $50 million. If you didn't know, by the time of this recording, Netflix is currently valued at nearly $160 billion, just above Disney. Ego, stubbornness, hubris, they all convince us to double down on the status quo. It's like the emperor's new clothes. In Blockbuster's case, that didn't just mean the epic decline of their business, but opportunities to dramatically improve their business model. They never truly felt the pains of adversity because they were blind to them, and they only felt them when it was too late. Let's talk solutions. The trick is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and to understand that balance in business or in ballroom is a constant process. In his book, The Obstacle is the Way, Ryan Holiday compares this idea to startup companies releasing their MVP or minimum viable product to consumers. From there, they use consumer feedback to find problems, design flaws, and then use that as a roadmap to create a better version too. For dancers, you have to take the balance that you have and find the holes in it. You've got to pressure test it, like that startup or like all the tests of integrity that NASA will expose their materials to before a shuttle launch, and then find all of the weak points and see them as a path toward improvement and not an embarrassing admission of guilt. And in business, you may never feel like you're totally in control, but don't see that as a bad thing. It means that you are aware that you aren't on top which will keep you open to the process of improvement and, ironically, will make you harder to knock down.